0: Uh, greetings, everyone, and uh, welcome to The Stacks. Uh, this, as always, is Jay.
1: And I'm Shanna.
0: And uh, the first movie we're talking about this week is the 1995 uh, locally produced Canadian picture, "Phobe: the Xenophobic Experiments. And I don't say film uh, because this was shot on video and made for local television
1: this um, I, I picked this one last last week i uh I'm sorry everyone
0: so this movie was made for a budget of two hundred and fifty dollars uh, that is that's not a joke right <laughs> that's that's not a joke that is the actual budget uh it, it was it was a budget of two hundred and fifty dollars uh most of the people in it are friends or relatives of the director uh the director worked at the uh, local community television station just like you know like a listing station basically or for you know if if they were airing you know public uh what do you call it if, if it's the like a, a little civic session of uh, public government any of those things when those aired they would go on that channel so oh,
1: like like public access
0: very similar to close to public access, but like sort of more local government community type stuff. So it's like the St. Catherine's community channel. Uh, And the director, Erica Benedicti, uh, started working at the channel about a year before making the movie and just kind of like got into it and had made one previous film uh, for the channel, uh, which is also included on the DVD. Uh, By the way, the DVD we're watching is the Intervision release uh obviously a dvd rather than blu-ray because it's shot on video and uh does not upgrade super well
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to imagine a remastered version of this and i don't think well, this you is could even could you
0: this is a remastered version that has oh, it has no. updated special effects
1: <laughs> oh yes that's right that's
0: right this is the special edition uh, and we'll we'll get into that. I actually prefer the original effects for sure, uh, which are also included on the disc, but not branching because, you know, it's a DVD. I, I would have preferred to have the original effects in the movie or like the option to be able to watch either because I really love those original, very lo-fi effects. We'll, we'll get into those as we encounter them in the discussion, of course. Uh, And so, like, I I watched all of the special features on this disc, and it's pretty stacked. It's got a lot of cool stuff. I really enjoyed the other film uh, that Benedicti did, which is just about uh, comic book two comic book nerds in Ontario, uh, just like finding a portal to another dimension in the basement and fighting. It's sort of like a and d thing. It also stars uh, our main guy, uh, John Rubick, who played Dap uh, in this one, who's sort of the main character here. He's one of the two com- uh, comic book nerds in the other film. Uh, and there he dresses up as Brian Johnson from AC/DC and does like air guitar and stuff. And the movie is called Back, Back in Black, which is what they air guitar to.
1: He could have worn his outfit from this movie, and I would have bought him as a comic book nerd still.
0: Sure, uh, I really like John Rubik. I I think there's a lot of charm to his acting. Like he's really he's he's a bit more on the ball than a lot of the other people, and oh. he's clearly having a lot of fun.
1: He is. You, you can tell. But uh, to say that he's more on the ball than a lot of the other people is uh, that's
0: not the highest bar. It's, it's it's faint praise. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Sadly, he is deceased. This edition is dedicated to him. He died in 2003 in a car accident, unfortunately. Uh, He's the director's cousin, which is why he's in both of them, and he's just really enthused about it all. It's pretty cool. So the movie opens with a very long (laughs) scene in the woods.
1: It looks like a bunch of people playing paintball.
0: Yeah, it kind of seems like a, a paintball... A retreat. It's it's kind of like uh, Friday the 13th part 6 where they're just like having a, a corporate retreat playing paintball and then are attacked by Jason. Uh, it's it's these people out in a wooded area. It's supposed to be an alien planet as we later learn. Oh, it is? Yeah, because Daph just... isn't on Earth yet. He he comes Wait, to Earth he later. Com-
1: okay, okay. I didn't get... <laughs> I.
0: You missed that right, he's an alien? I didn't quite alien? get
1: that. I got that he was an alien. I just I guess I didn't get that the uh, backwoods of Ontario was supposed to be another planet.
0: At least this first time. When when we see it again <laughs> later it is yeah, on okay. it. Uh, So this time he's uh, bad. Like they're hunting a phobe uh, in the woods, and initially, according to the commentary, what was planned originally for this scene was a green screen sequence, and it was going to be their version of the Star Wars uh, Return of the Jedi speeder bike chase sequence.
1: How? Okay.
0: I guess they couldn't pull it off, is, is what happened. I, uh, yeah, I,
1: I was going to say, how would they do that with their budget? And I guess they didn't.
0: They didn't. Yeah, I, I think that's ultimately what happened. They just mentioned in the commentary that that was the original intent, but obviously that did not work out. Uh, so we get a lot of phobe POV shots, which are fun. Uh, it has basically a combination of the Terminator-Predator vision.
1: Yeah, this... this Thing is basically the predator but just covered in a bunch of leaves and with a motorcycle helmet
0: dime store predator uh it's it's like army surplus camo he's got like the that uh, that uh camo netting uh which is most of the upper torso stuff and yeah a, motorcycle helmet and much later on the the face reveal is pretty great when, when we see it's the alien. So head. good I
1: wasn't expecting that. <laughs>
0: um so we we are introduced to Dap, our our main character, our space cop. Uh he has an amazing mullet. Uh, he's wearing the giant cargo jacket and there's a loop in the back for his bazooka. <laughs> you know, like he, you might have a sword back there if you were one of those kids. <laughs>
1: He he reminds me of what you'd get if Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers had a baby.
0: Yeah, he's he's bulk and skull-esque. And like the mullet is incredible. It's like, it's, it's it's the perfect it, mullet.
1: If you like mullets, that's a mullet.
0: Yeah, I, I also really like the pyrotechnics in this sequence. Uh, it's it's unusual to see real explosions in one of these low-budget shot-on-video things. Usually, you'll just get like a painted-on one or a you know like a, a a digital effect. It's fun to see just like actual explosions and people going, "Oh god!" <laughs> people almost being hit by them. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, so they they take on this first phobe, and then it jumps to four months later, and it's uh, I guess he's on Mars because it's a red space jail. Like, there's a red filter every time we see all of the stuff outside on whatever alien planet this is supposed to be.
1: I, I'm not trying to make a joke here. I just still didn't get that this was another planet. I thought it was just Toronto with a filter.
0: Yeah, no, uh, he, he is specifically assigned to go to Earth. And he's like, Earth, that's a really backwards place. Uh, and he, he's just like they, they're not really interested in Earth. <laughs> like it, it's its just like sort of this thing like he's never been there before. Uh, I also like his apartment where he has a Dayglo fish print, <laughs> tropical <laughs> fish print stuff. Uh, oh, so go ahead.
1: One thing that I want to mention is all throughout the movie, there doesn't matter what's happening there is some really dramatic music playing yes it's very
0: dramatic he's like
1: lying down on his couch like wasted and it's got like this dramatic music like and he's like covered in like nachos
0: He's just like sitting on the couch and he like opens up his laptop and he's got his boss like hey you you need to go hunt a phobe for us and he, he grudgingly accepts he doesn't really want to do this anymore uh and and we get some background like they've been programmatically exterminating these phobes uh but we don't really know much about the background of them at this point i think we kind of it gets parceled out over the course of the film sort of the life cycle of them which is heavily stolen from blade runner
1: yeah i a lot of the time i couldn't really hear what they were saying so I'll just take your word on it. Um, I do know that he does do a big exposition dump uh, towards the end that he just, I love his delivery on it. Cause we'll get I to love,
0: that. Well, it's the, the Canadian accents in this and like the very distinct <laughs> hoser accents that they all have is so great. It's It's like one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's one of the things that makes it the most enjoyable to me. Cause so many of these deliveries are just so fun to listen to because of it. <laughs>
1: really good
0: uh, so his boss tells him that while they've been exterminating these phobes which are some sort of alien species uh, which is dangerous uh, one of them got away and stole a ship and escaped to earth uh, and notably it managed to reactivate its reproductive system I'm not really sure how that works uh, but they th- reproduce asexually but they, they do
1: got- what they do?
0: Yes, okay. because they lay eggs. Oh, that's um, right.
1: They, yeah, yeah. That, that the, becomes a plot point. The
0: the phob egg is a really major point in this. Uh, um, so essentially, he's been told that he needs to bring it back alive because they need to find out why or how it's reactivated its reproductive system. Although that's just a smoke screen, as as we'll later learn. Actually, or not. We'll
1: learn it. Pretty soon, because right after this, the guy, the general or whatever, goes to see right. shady corporate business boss
0: who the is worst actor in the movie. Oh my god, he is the he must be the worst
1: <laughs> actor I've ever seen.
0: He might in anything. Uh, He he's in most of the special features as well, and he's the one who's most checked out of it. He's like there. There's one where they do a Q and A. And it's just like a bunch of people who, after a screening of the movie, like they did an actual theatrical screening of it, which would have been wild. Uh, and oh, people wow. are asking to be a fly like a that wall. Yeah. So and it's most of the cast and the director and they're all just kind of hanging out and answering questions. Uh, and that one guy, he's not sitting with the rest of them. He's just like in the audience and like occasionally chiming in from the other end of the room. And he's always just like, "Yeah, I guess, I don't know, whatever uh and there there are also there's also a blooper reel included in this where you see how many worse line readings he had initially
1: he he cannot stop grinning,
0: like, he's so jazzed
1: <laughs> <laughs> like he's like looking at the camera, oh, he's." He does well, not know
0: his lines. He's looking at the camera because the lines are being given to him and then he's saying them. Like someone is saying the lines to him and then he's directly saying them immediately after. And then like he'll stop. He'll say just that one part and then he'll wait and they'll say it and he'll say it. It's it's wild. Uh, and, and I actually kind of wrote down one of the line readings the, just kind of phonetically. So he says the line, it's of no value to me dead, but the way he says it, it's of, and that's one sentence. No value to me dead. <laughs> like to me dead, all one word. Incredible. Just like th- no one speaks this way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in one of the bloopers, I think he says something like, oh, um, so I'm going to kill you because, or, just like that exactly like that yeah like literally like um oh it was my plan all along
0: yeah that that's kind of how he he does all of it so he's
1: only in like two scenes but he somehow steals the he makes the show. an impression
0: he definitely makes an impression especially in his later appearance when he comes back at the end and he has those sunglasses which he's <laughs> clearly very proud of he really loves those these so tiny happy to little, be there. like tiny little John Lennon sunglasses, are great. <laughs> um, so he's so DAP is sent to uh go take care of uh the phobe on Earth, uh, and we we get him flying through the opening credits of Sliders to get there, basically, uh, in the special edition version.
1: I uh, you know, I it's funny that you mentioned that because I wrote down uh stole CGI from Star Wars X-Wing and Sliders.
0: Yes, it's so the Sliders opening sequence. Um the uh it the original effects which are included on the disc, uh I, I much prefer the original one because the spaceship in the original version is the G.I. Joe X nineteen stealth, which I had as a kid. Uh and it's just so hilarious to see that as his thing and like it, there's a bunch of scenes of it like flying over a house and stuff oh i love it the the new special edition footage which was made in 2003 or 2002-ish in after effects is okay like it's kind of funny as just video game cutscene style stuff Uh yeah, yeah i definitely
1: saw some of this on pc in 1995 i'm sure there was a star wars game that has sure. that ship launching in that way, in that city. I just can't yeah. place it. But there there was one. Yeah, it, it might it, not have been Star Wars, but...
0: I totally buy it. Like When I first watched the movie uh, a few months ago, I thought that maybe they had actually just cut in some video game sequences in the original movie. Uh, but... It's, it's only like listening to the commentary that i got that they actually put those together in after effects as a special edition and uh replaced original effects uh but like i much prefer the original ones like give me just brock tower with a red filter and that's your alien planet that's fine that's all i want that's much more entertaining <laughs> to me uh, so, so they they george lucas did
1: like they several george years lucas. after the fact
0: Eight years later they they did this is the special edition that that we have. Uh and like that's it's, amazing. Yeah, I mean it's not a huge amount of changes. We'll we'll uh, like I'll I'll point them all out as we get to them because there's actually a bunch of them. But yeah, uh interesting. And and like this is a movie that was kind of always in motion as it was being built. Like it was it, when they started making it, it was going to be a slasher movie.
1: I, so, I can see how it might have that that paintball match, I, sorry, the the uh, stalking in the woods scene uh, feels like it could have been a slasher thing, but it also feels like it could have been backyard the, predator. Yeah, the the
0: epic uh, the, the epic forest battle. Uh, so, well, like this this next sequence that we're just getting to is where so Dap flies to Earth uh, and these two dudes. Like he flies over a house and these guys see him land. Uh, one of them in a cool slow Pit shirt. <laughs> so rad. Oh man. Like, like that is the most 1995 Canada thing. Like I, I was so, like both of my parents had this shirt.
1: I, I swear the one guy in that house was uh, like, I had at least two friends whose dad was that guy.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Like, all of these people feel like relatives of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But, like, so this sequence with the slow-pitch guy and the other dude here, this was the first thing shot, and at this point, the movie was still semi-a-slasher movie. Uh, And it's really only after shooting that the director realized just how long that sequence went on. Oh. Like she so even mentions it in the commentary. She's like, I didn't realize how long it went on until I was done. But like, they couldn't cut stuff. This movie ran really short. There are ten minutes of credits that they added to fill it out.
1: <laughs> oh shoot! You you told me to watch that and I never did.
0: Oh, totally watch them. Still, I'll I'll tell you a bit about them when we get there. It's they're pretty funny, honestly. They're they're oh, okay. an entertaining part of the film. A friend of mine who I talked to in Ontario uh, told me that they're her favorite part of the movie, actually.
1: Okay, well, clearly I need to do this then.
0: I I, I think they may have special appeal if you live there because it's just full of uh, shout outs to local businesses.
1: I can appreciate that.
0: Yeah, I, I th- and like, it's funny credits, like they have a whole, like, after the first initial basic credits, they have a really long set of credits about stuff that they just didn't have access to, or places where the same person did a hundred different things. <laughs> it's great. Um, so... At the, like this sequence in the woods is pretty obviously in a different genre. Like it's really dark. It's them stumbling around in the woods. It's kind of spooky. It seems like they're supposed to be surprised by the phobe out of nowhere in different times. And it's they, just like these dudes in the woods for a while. I've,
1: it felt like ten minutes. And, and I just think these this two is... in the woods, and then, are you there? Is that you? Are you there? Yeah.
0: It's not great. Uh, and I think this is where Red Letter Media gave up on the movie, <laughs> which is understandable.
1: Um, this is our second overly long uh, walking through the woods scene with the um,
0: weird dramatic, dramatic music.
1: music in the background.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess that's a really common thing in super low budget cinema is, you know, there there's nothing cheaper than putting people in a couple costumes and just having them walk around in the woods and be frightened. Like that—that's something anyone can do.
1: I was getting a little bit of a Blair Witch vibe from like two of the shots.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Uh, there's a part where the phobe throws a grenade at them. Uh, it and looks
1: like an Easter egg or a Kinder Surprise.
0: Okay, I love but it. That—that's funny in and of itself. So he—he he reaches down and picks it up because it doesn't look like a grenade, and it's not even supposed to look like a grenade, but it is one. But what's really great, and I didn't notice this until I listened to the commentary track, when he picks it up, when it cuts to the wide shot, it's a tomato. <laughs> uh, pretty funny. Uh, but okay, yeah, I,
1: it makes sense that it would that he want it to not look like a grenade. Actually, I I, I could buy that because that's yeah. how you get the dumb humans to pick it up.
0: Right, uh, and it blows up. Uh, and the and that, that guy gets blown up And the other one gets shot by the Phobes' arm cannon uh, And that's the end of those dudes Although we will see them later in the background Because they only had so many actors
1: <laughs> And then suddenly high school Is what I've got written down
0: Yeah, we have some Quote-unquote high school seniors Chatting before cheerleading practice Twenty-somethings uh, Very, very clearly
1: Yep Um very much uh, just 20-somethings that happen to be around.
0: Yeah, uh, and again, great wardrobe. One of them's in a 92-93 Jays, like, champion's shirt. <laughs> Blue Jays. Uh, I, I really like, I, I think it's our lead Jennifer saying, say hi to your mom for me, right? <laughs> <Like> just, <laughs> these line deliveries, they they just, they, they warm my heart. Uh, so we're introduced to our female lead, Jennifer. Uh, and, you know, walking home... From, well, I, I guess first we, were introduced to a couple people. We also meet Rob, who's her nerdlinger friend.
1: Rob is great. Rob uh, doesn't just have a closet of all the same shirt. I, I assume he does. We don't see it, but I assume he has one. The reason I assume that is because his school walker is also full of all the same shirt.
0: Yeah, multiple copies of the same plaid shirt. <laughs>
1: no nobody says anything about this in the movie it's not drawn attention to if i didn't happen to pause it at that exact moment i wouldn't have even noticed
0: yeah it's weird
1: <laughs> i guess they just wanted to put something in the locker so it looked like there was stuff in there and that's
0: what i guess they so uh or so maybe
1: that was his wardrobe locker and they just shot it the been. scene pit. that i bet that's it
0: because Also, later on, I'm pretty sure they have a scene where they break into the place where they bought the movie's wardrobe, (laughs) too. I'll get to that when we get there. Uh, So Jennifer is walking home from school and she finds a rock, which is actually the phobe egg. Uh, And she's also observed by the phobe picking up the egg. So it starts stalking her Uh, and it stalks her for about. I'd say 65 hours of movie time. <laughs> it just, never like that. just It's following her around for a while and nothing happens.
1: In the woods, on the train tracks, uh, wandering aimlessly through the like, Ontario wilderness scene
0: number three. Just, like, we just watch her walking home with occasional shots of the phobe walking home behind her. Uh, and then ultimately, Dap does show up, of course, to frighten off the phobe. And and he introduces himself. He uh, gives her this uh, wicked necklace to communicate with him, which is it's, uh, a, it's a garage door opener.
1: <laughs> see, I thought it was a, a key fob, but this was, this Same was kind of before thing. those kind of key fobs.
0: Yeah, um, it, now I we mean, need to talk about
1: his sunglasses. This is the first time we see his sunglasses.
0: Which he made. He made those like the the actor made them out of. Oh, I think well, just now like, I
1: don't want to make fun of them.
0: <laughs> I think he made them out of just like some uh, see through craft paper material. I think.
1: Like, like cellophane or something. Yeah.
0: Or like and, and a you slightly can see harder. Them get yeah.
1: More and more beat up as the movie goes on, even though nothing really happens to his character.
0: Right, goes like you know, they're a lot of wear and tear because they're just made out of paper,
1: <laughs> and like, like bunchy cords to hold it in place, or maybe even like know. little hair ties.
0: Because he doesn't take them off for quite a while. We we don't see him take them off for quite a while because, I I guess they didn't want to like, as we'll much later learn, he has glowing green eyes because he's an alien. Yeah. Uh. And they but, they like they're really uncomfortable contacts, so he only wore them for the one scene. Oh, okay.
1: They were contacts. Uh, I thought those were um, I thought those were effects they
0: added. Nope, they Which couldn't afford contacts. effects. Yeah, they're good. Like uh uh his his doctor just gave them to him for the shoot. Uh, a lot wow. of the stuff that they did, like they, this was a real community project, so a lot of local businesses and people just kind of chipped in. Which is why, you know, it. if they had a $250 budget, they got a lot of stuff free. They got a lot of locations free and use of places.
1: Yeah, I was I was going to say, if I had $250, I don't think I could have made that movie.
0: No, and I mean, certainly not now, but I don't think even then I could have. Like, it, it's, it's definitely a whole community coming together to make the movie kind of deal. Uh, and it looks better than a movie that, Cost two hundred and fifty dollars. Like to be fair, it really does.
1: But it still doesn't look like
0: a movie. No, it doesn't look budget. like a movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, it, it does looks, look like more than. It looks like probably about five hundred dollars.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Maybe even a thousand.
0: It could be. I mean, like these. are There are locations. There is production value. Uh, they they make a lot of use of found objects to represent alien items in fun ways. There's a costume. Yeah, there there are costumes. Um, so Dap explains that the phobe is an alien and the rock is its egg. Uh, and specifically, this rock or this egg needs to be destroyed with a special device. Uh, and it can only be done within 72 hours of the egg being laid. Uh, but he doesn't have the device available right with him. Which why wouldn't
1: he bring it unless it's not portable
0: i guess it's not portable maybe it's in his ship i don't understand what ha- what happens with his ship because he's unable to go back at the end as far as i know uh and we never oh, see the yeah. ship again so yeah. i don't it know get what shot happened. down
1: or no it didn't get shot down he landed and
0: he landed and then we never heard about it again and then it just doesn't exist at the end i guess <laughs>
1: I guess they forgot about it.
0: They may have forgotten about it, just like they forget that the gun's inoperative at a certain point, uh, but we'll get to <laughs> that as well. Um, I forgot about that, too. <laughs> so the phobe chases them around downtown St. Catharines for a while. Uh, you you see a few places. They go into a parking garage, and they, quote-unquote, blow up the parking garage. Uh, they have a CG explosion on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, here we also learn that DAP uh, has... Some super strength, he's able to jump off the roof without harm. Like off the roof of like a tall parking garage.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. I I never yeah, it didn't click that he had super strength.
0: It also didn't a click for me until the... I listened to the commentary and they mentioned it. it's like, oh that's what that was about. Okay.
1: <laughs> a lot of stuff I just kind of accepted at face value without even thinking about it. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, he lands he survives that fall, sure. He's like a time cop or whatever, because I still hadn't figured out what he was at that point.
0: He's a space cop?
1: A space cop can survive that.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I I think the idea, well, what the director said is the idea was that he has kind of a Superman thing because he's not from this planet. He has a different strength level relating to the gravity or whatever, or the sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. not something that they ever actually directly talk about in the film. <laughs>
1: right, right. Uh, so they because get away from. Please. Can't let all the ex. Can't let exposition get in the way of all the wood wandering in the woods.
0: There's a lot of exposition though too.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's true.
0: So in blowing up the parking garage, which you know it seems like it would have drawn a lot of attention, but I guess not. Uh, no attention. They, they run away and they find a bar and they just, no, oh, well, let's just go chill in this bar for a while. And they have a conversation <laughs> and they relax and they have a dance. They uh, dance. The, the dudes, They
1: literally say like, Can, do you think the phoba come in here? And he's like, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but like, it's not, it's not following them right at that moment. So they're like, oh, well, whatever. We'll just catch up a little bit and we'll, we'll talk. Uh, the dudes in the band playing at the bar. Those are the dudes who were killed earlier in the forest. Oh, okay.
1: I've, I've written Those down kids, the one yeah. guy as not Brian May on the guitars.
0: <laughs> so the phobe does show up outside the bar and it's one of my favorite things because it just kind of chills outside the bar for a bit. Kind of like hanging outside the window. Like, what are they doing in there? Why can't I be in there? It was lame. <laughs> I wish and I then... could
1: hang out with them. I'm just imagining him like sitting out there looking at them. And it's like, that was supposed to be my girl. Hello, darkness, my old friend.
0: Because it's just, like, lurking outside the door for no apparent reason. Uh, but then, of course, it does come in, so they have to flee again. Uh, and here, okay, so they break into an army surplus store. And I'm sure this is where they got 90% of, like, like a lot of the costume stuff. Uh, clearly a lot of what Dap's wearing and most of the phobe outfit are army surplus gear. It's... Uh, uh- what I'm
1: wondering is if if the phobe is tracking the egg, um, and it never got addressed, so I wrote it down as something to wonder. But
0: well, so they do mention is... that right here, actually, that they he it's being tracked by a homing device, which is in the egg.
1: Okay, and and I'm I'm good with that. I don't have a problem
0: and, with that. Okay, no. And further, at this point, when they get into the army surplus store, DAP is able to deactivate this homing device somehow.
1: That's fine. What I want to know is, <laughs> why doesn't he just take the egg, send the girl home, and not have her get involved with any more of this bullshit, and just deal with the alien himself?
0: She seems to be into it. Because, like, oh, it's, it's, it's at this point as well, she's like, she's very excited. Like, we could go back to my place. Like, yeah, she's that's... the one who's driving that. Uh, and yeah, also... that's true in in the army surplus store is also where we learn that he has this fluorescent green blood uh, because he's got some of it on his hand from a, a wound that's opened up and he's like what's that he's just like so nonchalant I was like, oh yeah I mean like you know it's just a wound that's opened up this is my blood great
1: <laughs> this uh, is, at first I had a problem with his delivery but now I'm just like you know what I choose to believe that this is just a normal day for this man this yeah, just isn't even a thing for him. It's like, oh yeah, it's my blood.
0: I totally love his delivery throughout. It's it's so entertaining. He's clearly having a great time. Um, so they go to Rob's to find a radio because I think his dad runs a radio station or something. The
1: uh, well, I th- I think it's actually the TV studio that sponsored this. Uh, or
0: it is, the yeah. T- they, they, his, his house is the TV studio that uh, they shot this at, that, that uh, the director worked at, yes. Um, so DAP modifies the radio with the power source from his pulse pistol. Uh, and he says that this renders the gun inoperative, uh, okay. even though two scenes later we do see him using it. <laughs> it got better. It got better, I guess. Uh, and, and this is also where he finally explains that he is a space cop, uh, and he gives some exposition about the phobe's history. So the idea behind the phobe is that they were genetically engineered as a species as a bioweapon. Uh, so very similar to replicants in Blade Runner, uh, but they don't have an expiry date like replicants, I guess, uh, and for whatever reason, they've they've decided to no longer use them, and what they've been doing is just kind of exterminating them over time. That's that's dark. That's really dark. Uh, and Dap uh, also that's believes up. it's so fucked up. Uh, so, and Dap believes that the phobes are now being sold on the black market as weapons, uh, which turns out to be the case and is actually kind of basically the plot. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it's all corporate guy.
0: Yeah. Uh, and this is also where he takes off the sunglasses and we see that his eyes glow green. And I love this sequence because it's so not a thing. Like it just like he takes off the glasses and is like, oh, yeah, huh. green eyes. Uh, And they, they just kind of sit there and look at it for a second. And
1: she's never referred she's to it again.
0: It. Yeah, She's into it. Uh, Rob but always
1: yep. looks like he's about to fall asleep during the exposition
0: scenes. <laughs> he might have been. Uh, from from what I understand, in this sequence especially, everybody had the giggles, uh, and they had a really hard time getting the lines out because something about him with the glowing green eyes, especially, and he would just make faces at them when, <laughs> when they were they were doing their lines. So they would just they they would just constantly crack up. Good stuff. <laughs> uh, so the phobe shows up at Rob's house necessarily, uh, and this is where we get the lightsaber fight.
1: Yep, they got lightsabers.
0: So this is another thing that was changed in the special edition. Uh, there were lightsabers in the original. It's just uh, they were like drawn directly on the film, like with just they they were just drawn in with like a red line whereas in this new special edition, they made them look more like actual lightsabers. Uh, because I kind the, of the original, prefer the
1: way they had it before.
0: I totally do, too. It looks they, so comical.
1: But they also look like, like light swords and not just... Yeah. Um,
0: they they seem more consistent in reality in a weird sort of way. The, the, the lightsaber seems too... Like it it kind of takes me out of just this really low budget milieu. it doesn't feel right yeah
1: yeah I, 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 the yeah, I prefer the other lightsabers
0: mm-hmm, uh and also we see that what he's using as a tracking device is a laser tag target, which is great. I like that oh, too. that's what it was yeah uh so the phobe gets rob uh it it gives him a horrible leg wound, which. Dap is able to heal with some sort of device or at least stop. Like, I think he's able to, to weave the bone or melt the bone back together or something. I don't know. Uh, and something Jennifer like is abducted. That's... Yeah. Uh, but of course, Jennifer is able to be traced by the pendant slash garage door opener uh, where the phobe has taken her to a big factory. Uh, Dap finds Jennifer in one of the rooms in the factory, and then has a big lightsaber duel with the phobe at first. And then they're starting to run away. It traps them in the factory, and I'm not sure exactly what it does here. It makes a big section of the floor all glowy, uh, oh, and this right. means that they can't leave.
1: It's like I think it's supposed to be an electrified floor or disintegration field floor. It's not really clear what it is. Yeah. It's just- you throw something at it and the thing explodes.
0: Yeah, and it glows red in the special edition, but it glows green in the original edition. Or I might have that mixed up. It might be the other way around. Uh, and and then for some reason, instead of fighting with lightsabers in this subsequent sequence, they just fight with big steel pipes. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they were supposed to be lightsabers and they just got tired Doing the rotoscoping or whatever for them, and just like they're just pipes now, it's fine. Uh, I, I kind of feel like that
1: might be what it was.
0: That's definitely the the way it feels in the movies. Like, why are they fighting with steel pipes now? What what happened to the lightsabers they were using like a minute ago? Uh, and meanwhile, Jennifer gets into a crane uh, and she knocks the phobe out of the factory by like hitting it with uh, the crane. Uh, the 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 hanging down the, yeah, thing the, on it. I don't it's know not what a
1: it, hook. It's um,
0: it's like I don't a don't little platform. It I, I'm I don't not know sure it's what, what it's Something so
1: that uh, DAP can ride away majestically.
0: Yeah, that's uh, and the this, purpose. Yeah, and this is where we get the reveal of the phobe's great plaster head.
1: Oh my god, the, I I couldn't believe it when uh, when it showed him taking off the helmet. I'm like they're going to reveal a face for this thing. <laughs> they don't need to do that. What's it going to be? Is it going to be, is it going to be DAP all along? And what it is, is the worst. Um,
0: it gets clearly like, made out of plaster.
1: It, it's like if somebody. It's like a paper
0: mache head.
1: Took those masks from Halloween three, season of the witch, and just took all the personality away from them. Those already generic masks, but just with oops, just with no color and no.
0: It, it was it's, amazing. It's like I was like all white. It it looks kind of like it's made of chewing gum. It's great.
1: <laughs> it it's like dented in on one side. <laughs>
0: uh, I also really like here. Uh, Dap uses a ghost. What basically a Ghostbusters ghost trap to catch it. Uh, that's like what he, that was. It's like it isn't actually a Ghostbusters toy, but it works exactly the same way. It's It's got that opening. It sucks it in. This is another one where the, the effect is updated uh, in the new version. They have like a shrink effect that pulls it in. Whereas in the other version, I think it's just like a, just like a no light phobe. effect. I ain't afraid of no phobe. Uh, then, quote unquote, a spaceship lands. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's a really fun force perspective shot where they just like lower a spaceship in front of the camera. And uh, we're supposed to see it like landing in the distance. Uh, and this is DAP's commander again, and the bad guy as well, the rich corporate guy. And here, here he now has the tiny sunglasses and he <laughs> gives his speech about <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: Speech. I'm not really sure what it's about. He
0: he has difficulty with it. But we we basically learned that the commander has sold the phobe and egg to this guy, uh, for reasons I don't know what he wants it for. Uh, and then we have it's kind of Waila like Yutani. a yeah, and, and then we have like a Reservoir Dogs kind of standoff. Uh, the the corporate guy shoots Dap in the shoulder jennifer frees the phobe from the ghost trap so that it can attack uh the bad guys and then for whatever reason all of a sudden dap's commander has a change of heart and shoots the corporate guy and the corporate guy shoots the commander and they're both dead
1: yeah that makes no sense
0: yeah i don't know why he suddenly has a change of heart right at this last moment after he flew all the way to earth with this guy, I don't know, maybe the guy was... Maybe disturbed. it's
1: because he Horrible. flew all the way to Earth to this, with this guy. It's like, i it had to listen to you talk for 16
0: hours. Yeah, and imagine this guy actually sounds like that all the time. Like, his line ratings are just the way this guy talks. <laughs> that would be maddening. <laughs> uh, and so Dap decides to let the phobe leave and take their ship. Uh, and decides to retire to Earth. Because he doesn't like doing this anymore, I guess.
1: Not sell his ship or anything and live like a king, though. Nothing like that.
0: No, because we don't know what happened to the ship. It, it Like, I, I kind of got the impression that he can't return. Because she says something like, oh, but like, if, if it takes the ship, how are you going to get back? And he's like, oh, I think I might just retire here or something like that. Right? It's weird
1: they must have forgot about the ship
0: maybe (laughs) i don't know or maybe there was supposed to be some scene where the ship was lost or something i don't know (laughs) i really have no idea they
1: thought they wrote a scene where it got shot down but
0: yeah I, i i'm really not sure uh and then we head into the end credits which are pretty funny they're like legitimately like a seventh of the entire runtime of the movie uh there's a whole bunch of shout outs to these local businesses that like either gave them food when they were hungry at the end of the day like you know they they had a day's shooting and they were all totally broke and they went to a pizza place and the place gave them free food so they put it in the credits of the movie it's great i love it there's there's tons of credits like that it's really fun it's it 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 does kind of like Sell the movie all the more just to see How much of a real community Production it was and uh, How much a labor of love it clearly Was for everybody involved Like there's nothing cynical about This movie in the least and I really Like that
1: Yeah yeah, you know I agree I've definitely Warmed up to this movie uh, after Hearing your perspective on it I was (laughs) Bored Senseless the entire time watching It
0: I was oh. a little bored the first time I watched it, and definitely listening to the commentary clued me in on a lot of little things. Like, I, I think the thing that immediately that or that especially uh, early on turned me around to it is in the commentary when they mention that the grenade that he when the grenade's actually a tomato when he picks it up. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's so great, and I yeah, kind of felt there.
1: Um. Well, yeah. Hear, hearing you talking about it, I, I appreciate the earnestness of it, <laughs> even if the end result was probably never meant to go anywhere near as wide as it did.
0: Totally was not meant to. Uh, like th- this, it, it was just something that the director wanted to do just for fun. Uh, and uh, like, so she worked at this local TV station, uh, and she still does to this day. Uh, and basically just it, it was it was just a perfect length for it to fit on this channel between things so like if they were airing something and it ended early like you know some uh local council meeting or something if it ended earlier than they were expected it super easy to just throw on phobe and so it just was playing off all, all the time on this channel and people would randomly come across it flipping channels in the mid 90s in ontario and it just became this cult phenomenon because people would be you know going through these channels and it's not even a channel that you expect to see anything airing on so you come across like what's this weird movie that's clearly made downtown <laughs> So they would get requests for it after a while and ultimately it got aired across Canada uh, in, like, some... There there was some special package showing of it. Uh, and I, I would say especially, like like I said, the extras on this are so good and they really do drive home how earnest it all is. And it, it makes it, it... It adds so much value, for sure.
1: I, I can definitely see how it would. um Now that I know that... Basically, I I could be a lot less harsh on the movie now that I know that I they weren't trying to sell me a movie, right? When they made this thing, um, they were just basically doing what me and my brother used to do with uh, with our parents' camcorder and just make some bullshit in our basement.
0: Yeah, it's it's a backyard movie completely. Uh, and and it's great in that respect. Like as far as a backyard movie goes, it's like top tier.
1: <laughs> oh really? It's better than anything my brother and I did.
0: Yeah, I I really enjoy it. Uh and, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like there there's just it's it's, it's so sweet. <laughs> uh and and that's that's unusual for you know shot on video productions, which tended to go for gore and exploitation stuff that sells. Uh, that that's sort of where you usually go with shot on video because, you know, th- that's what you can't necessarily get from the mainstream Hollywood stuff. So when you get, like, this shot on video one that's just totally sweet, I don't know, it's great. I really love it. It's,
1: it's, I, I like it for what it is, but I absolutely uh, fell asleep after I watched it. That's I, I, pretty d- I fair. don't think I'd see it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad they had fun. I'm glad people get to see it. I'm done with it. I'm I,
0: good I with it. I, I think it's one that I will kind of put on periodically, especially if it's like, especially if I have insomnia or if it's the middle of the night and I just want to throw something on as, as like ambient viewing. It's so perfect for that. Cause like, Oh, you don't it's have so to pay attention to, at all. Yeah, you do not have to pay attention. You can drift in and out of it. There are like, 10 to 15 minute sequences, even though it's a 76 minute movie, there's like a, there, there is a few 10 minute sequences that you can just completely drop out of and not really miss a thing. And it's fine. (laughs) And, and you just like tune in for the little bits that are great. Yeah. Uh, So any last thoughts on phobe before we move on to our second film?
1: Um.
0: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something really profound, but nothing came to me.
0: All right. Well, Don't
1: fear the phobe. Don't be a phobe. No, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, that that is sort of an interesting thing. I, I guess just as a sideline that this is a movie where the, the phobe, the monster, turns out to not actually be the villain at all, which is kind of an interesting uh, aspect that's that's also pretty unusual for this sort of thing, uh, especially since it does really mutilate Rob that one time, and it does kill <laughs> yeah, a that few was, people. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That, I, they must have spent half of their budget on that wound for Rob.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually honestly a pretty impressive wound because it looks like he has a like a, a fracture coming out of his skin with his like, leg.
1: Yeah, it's, I saw that. It's a like, good effect. With this budget, I was like, what, did they just actually break his leg?
0: <laughs> Except in the bloopers, there there are shots of him sitting there with the the leg wound while he's just, like, reading a Vogue magazine. <laughs> he's <laughs> really bored. Good stuff. All right, well, uh, we will move on to our second picture, then. Okay, so our second film for this evening is John Carpenter's 1976 film Assault on Precinct 13, Uh, his first proper film, uh, with Dark Star being the previous one, uh, which was a student film that was just sort of expanded out into a feature. Uh, And this movie is incredible. It's a great movie.
1: It's really good. It's not what I was expecting from a cop movie in 1976
0: and the score oh my god the score it's maybe my favorite john carpenter score and that's that's a high that's a high bar and also it stands alone
1: well on very great you don't have to have seen assault on precinct 1 through 12 <laughs> although i strongly recommend if you can find it check out assault on precinct 7 that one was directed by david lynch although he denies it to this day
0: so assault on precinct 13 is it's it's sort of like I I feel like it's it's sort of an apocalypse of gang violence. It's it's like the the early 70s California gang violence epidemic just kind of made into a, a horror setting. Like the the attackers who we have attacking this police precinct are. Almost like a zombie horde they, they don't really have any personality. you never hear any of them even speak.
1: Well, one of them says at the very, very beginning,
0: um, yeah there's one thing right at the start when they they gear up with all their weapons to go out on the hunt
1: and uh, it, it's funny because apparently they they have there's so many of them, but when they're gearing up and getting ready, you only see four.
0: Yeah, and one of those guys dies before they even, like, head over to the police station. So, uh, what what is it we start with the orig- exactly? What we start
1: with? Okay, so at the beginning, we see... Um, so I had expected, because I hadn't seen this before, I expected that I was going to have to make a joke for the gang's motivation, saying that, uh, you know, the gang's motivation is that a bunch of cops executed somebody turns out that's exactly what happened and all cops are bastards even in hollywood films in 1976
0: Uh, well i would say especially in a john carpenter film john carpenter is very cynical and really doesn't like people or the police or institutions (laughs) or okay well
1: maybe i should have seen that coming then
0: yeah that's that's a john carpenter perspective for sure uh yeah it's a dark movie
1: Oh, no, yeah. Um, there, there's a few things that happened I wasn't ready for.
0: Yeah, there's one in particular that I think is shocking no matter how many times they see it. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: um, but yeah, we begin with these guys with these guns going through i guess i'm not really sure it's like a corridor and then you hear police throw down your weapons from and there's these cops up above them pointing their guns at them and then they immediately open fire on these guys the cops do shoot first and don't give the guys the people a chance to surrender
0: uh and then it's after that that they're all like gearing up to go on the hunt but what's weird is initially what they're doing has nothing to do with the police. They're not going out to attack the police. That happens incidentally later, which is really unusual. Yeah. Um, because, like, this first part, I always forget about it because it has surprisingly little to do with their motivation, ultimately.
1: Yeah, see, here I thought this was the villain's backstory, but no, this is
0: It's just, just a thing that happens. That happens. It, it's just a part of the horror of Los Angeles, I guess. Like, it's, it's, the part, it's a part of just how awful things are rather than a part of, like, the plot. <laughs> it, it's, it's scene setting for just how brutal life is.
1: Yeah, like, we even had the, uh, the police commissioner on the radio saying, I know that our police tactics are deplorable, but these guys have guns. People who aren't cops can't have guns. We have to murder them.
0: I mean, they sure do have guns, though. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, they really do. They, they,
0: And tons of silencers for them guns.
1: Now, I know I'm being very anti-cop and pro-gang right now, but uh, the gang loses sympathy very quickly.
0: Very quickly. Uh, we're, we're both anti-cop and anti-gang. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so... Uh, is this where we're introduced to our main cop guy, the sheriff, who's just, like, on his first day? Um, I think... Or do we meet him a little bit later after we meet... he shows up a bit later. So Here's we first meet we the have... guy, the old guy with his daughter, who's trying yes, to get um... her to, like, claim that she wants... Like, what is it he's trying to pressure her into he's saying to the girlfriend? He's
1: her to convince the girlfriend to move in with him. I've got him right. written down as a uh, creepy daddy in my nose. And then um, I feel bad for him because
0: yeah, things go rough creepy
1: enough. He's not creepy enough to justify what happens.
0: He seems like kind of just
1: deserve that.
0: Yeah. He just kind of seems a like, like a sad him. sack. Yeah. Just he, this he's sad a... guy who's trying to get his girlfriend to move in with him. And he's a single dad and his daughter seems very precocious and maybe a bit of a handful like when she said definitely
1: going to be the protagonist of this movie or at least the sidekick to the protagonist this
0: daughter she's got a lot of spunk she's one of those she does have a hollywood kid energy and she like when he's giving her the spiel about what he wants her to say to the girlfriend she's like i don't think she's gonna buy that and it's pretty funny like it's a good delivery Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I should note, I'm sure her
1: resourcefulness is gonna get them out of a lot of trouble later on down the road.
0: I, I should note that this little girl is played by Kim Richards, who is best known these days as one of the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Uh popularly memed, uh and her sister Kyle Richards appears in Halloween. She's the girl that Annie is babysitting in the movie. And both of them are real housewives of Beverly Hills and heavily memed uh The like the, the ladies screaming at a cat meme features Kyle Richards, which is wild.
1: That's, that's amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, so the thing
1: with these guys doesn't happen yet. Uh, we're just meeting the dad.
0: Okay. Yeah. Like we're Um, meeting the dad and they're just driving around.
1: Yeah. We're, we're still getting everybody in place for, um, the events. No events have taken place yet. Uh, we also meet the, uh, the prison guys,
0: uh, right? Prison so got
1: transfer dudes.
0: Napoleon Wilson, who rules.
1: He is uh, He's a character.
0: He's Snake Pliskin, but like Proto Pliskin, like he, he's almost the Snake Pliskin character, but not quite fully developed yet. But he's great. Yeah. Uh, he um, he's a very John Carpenter character. I would say. He he feels like an old west character and and this movie I I think John Carpenter has talked about he originally wanted to just do this as a western and it is a remake of a western essentially. Uh it's a remake of Rio Bravo which is an old okay. John Wayne movie. Sort of. I mean like it's it's his spin on it but like the the in that one uh a gang of you know cowboys lays a sheriff's office under siege when one of their gang is arrested. So not quite the same, but, you know, same basic setup. And that's kind of what he was going for. So we yes. also see the, the four chief gang guys uh, silencing, putting silencers on all their guns and doing some oh, rituals. And,
1: yep. I've got funny names for all of them. We have Che Guevara, um, Black Panthers, a ghoul, and Al Borland.
0: And the ghoul seems to be the lead guy.
1: Or at least the most bloodthirsty.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly at the beginning, he he seems to be pretty important. And like, is he the one driving, or is he in the passenger seat? I
1: no, he's he's on the passenger side
0: of his bed ride, side.
1: trying to holler right. at um, whoever he can see.
0: Right. Uh, he's a scrub. He is a scrub. <laughs> Goes down but, like uh, a scrub he gets too. His. He gets oh yes. Yeah. Actually yeah, I
1: guess I guess he would be one of the leaders which would spark this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, but they're the they're already getting ready for war because the six people who were gunned down at the beginning were their guys and they're like right. they're doing this blood oath thing. They're like for the six, for the six. And that's the only thing any of them ever says in this movie.
0: Yeah, there is never another single line of dialogue from any of them, uh any of the attackers, which is creepy. Like, it, it does lend it uh, an otherworldly aspect. It makes them seem more like monsters than people. Like a zombie horde.
1: It, it it felt like a zombie movie at times.
0: Yeah. But like a zombie movie where they all have guns.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's things the gang does that uh, wouldn't work or wouldn't happen in a zombie movie.
0: <laughs> right. Um... So what happens next here? Like, I'm I'm a little unclear on the initial sequence of events before so, things head to the police station. Uh,
1: we learned that Lieutenant Bishop is going to uh, is going to take over for this police station that's shutting down. Uh, he's running the show, but just for one night, um, he's not like, sure and it's why his, he has this
0: job. It's his first day. Like, he oh, mentions right. that, like, this is his first day on the job, and he's kind of just been given a shit detail. He's babysitting this place overnight uh, while it's being closed down. And it's mostly already closed down. Like, everybody's been moved out. There's no one in any of the cells. There, all the Most of the guns are gone. Most of the guns are gone. They've cleared out everybody except uh, two people to answer phones. Uh, and there's, like, one cop hanging out and pretty much... It, it It's just it's shutting down the next morning and they're they're moving everything up because like they're getting out of this neighborhood and it seems to be not a great neighborhood.
1: Oh, yeah. They make references to the neighborhood being terrible all the time up until up until they get distracted by other things. Mm-hmm. So he's meeting the crew. Um, we've got we've got Lieutenant Bishop, our hero, mm-hmm. uh, surly desk sergeant. Um, Velma, who it turns out is like the Terminator,
0: she rules
1: She's so, great is yeah, she's she's only Velma because she's dressed in orange, but she's actually the Terminator, and then we got Lucy from Twin Peaks, but with none of the charm of that character.
0: she's just kind of hysterical, and like understandably so, this is a situation in which I would be hysterical too, yeah,
1: but. She was Maybe. annoying me before the gunshots happened.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair. And and she doesn't have a lot to do. Like, her purpose in the movie is to be sort of an audience surrogate where she just kind of shuts down. She's She is not prepared for anything that's happening, and she is incapable of dealing with it, and so she does not. And I think it's cool to have a character like that in this movie, even when there's just a really tiny cast of our good characters.
1: So um, I think it's, so right around here, um, he meets up with the previous captain of the, the precinct who's going to the new one, I guess, that they're building. Right. Um, and he's like, he's talking about all the violence in this neighborhood and uh, and the and Lieutenant Bishop blames it on sunspots because there was a report on the radio about sunspots. Um, yeah. This is actually interesting to me because you mentioned uh, the other week That the gang isn't explicitly supernatural, but you could make an argument or I'm going to make an argument that they are not explicitly, but they could be supernatural.
0: They totally could be. Uh, And I think that was always John Carpenter's intention is that they could potentially be supernatural, that there's nothing that ties them to humanity.
1: Well, at least not towards the end. Like at the beginning, it might just have been these four guys. But what if their blood thing was just an undead summoning ritual to summon gang members Um,
0: perhaps I mean it's hard to say because we never even really get a good look at any of them from this point that point forward like it's just it's mostly just hands and arms uh, and like running
1: shapes running yeah
0: yeah Yeah. so to awesome awesome synth music (laughs)
1: So So, maybe they really did start a zombie apocalypse. Um, I feel like their initial motivation was to get revenge on the town for their six fallen dudes.
0: I think so and then, yes. it and then, then it changed then it changed so then it pivots uh, uh so is this when we get to the point where uh, the the dad is in the phone booth trying to call this yes. lady?
1: Yes, he's trying to call this lady uh, while the ghoul and the gang are driving around stalking this ice cream man who apparently owes him money. But he's also, but the ghoul is also just aiming at people randomly through his uh, sniper rifle.
0: Yeah, they're just kind of driving around and he's teasing, maybe shooting at various different people.
1: He's, uh, he's just... He's just thinking about it like, "Eh, maybe I'll kill you, maybe I won't, maybe I'll kill you, maybe I
0: won't. Well, it's like, where do I start this massacre? Because he's got a silencer, but he knows that when someone goes down publicly, if they're seen, it's going to be a thing. So so he's trying to choose the right first target.
1: Eventually he gets fixated on this ice cream man.
0: Right, so they're following the ice cream man around, and eventually the ice cream man parks, and they're just kind of circling the block, looking yep, so, at him.
1: So they park. The ice cream man parks where uh, Clark Griswold and his daughter, uh, our plucky young hero, are. Um,
0: yeah, he parks up, phone booth. He parks a little bit up the street from them. So uh,
1: the girl goes and gets goes to the ice cream truck. She
0: wants a chocolate swirl.
1: Yep. So. Um, at first, he kind of says like "fuck off, kid." Not because he's he's, like, well, he's very distracted.
0: Well, yeah, like, he's he turns off the music when she shows up. It's like because he he's been busy watching them because he's spooked by these guys. He's noticed them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he's he's he definitely knows who they are and he, he's scared of them. Rightly so.
0: Yeah. Uh but he, he gives her the ice cream cone and she starts to walk away and then realizes she has the wrong like he didn't give her the swirl the, the chocolate swirl. It's just plain vanilla.
1: Yeah, so she goes back to uh to get a to get a, the right ice cream and uh the gang has pulled up to the ice cream guy and he just shoots the girl.
0: Right Boom. through nope. the ice cream cone.
1: Yep. Right in the chest, no warning, no anything. Just shoots her. And the, you see like a big, ice cream guy.
0: And and there's a big splatter of blood too. And I think it's the most blood you see in the entire movie. Like it's very shocking.
1: Actually, yeah, you're right because we don't get a lot of blood anywhere else.
0: Right, because I mean, there's not a lot of people being shot in this movie. It's a pretty small cast, and most of the people being shot are the hordes coming in. So you never actually see them. They just fall away. So yeah, it's an extremely shocking moment. Like, it's so out of nowhere, and it's harsh. And, uh, and I
1: I think he didn't even really look at her before he shot her.
0: No. Uh, she just shows up, and she, she says something, and he just moves the gun over and shoots her, because I think he was aiming at the ice cream man initially. Like, he had the gun towards the ice cream man, and she says something, and just boom. So, uh,
1: so here Daddy gets off the phone...
0: And he doesn't realize what's going on. He doesn't notice it first because they're using silencers. So he didn't even hear the shot.
1: Yeah, so he goes over and he's just...
0: Well, like, there's it's a really great, slow, long shot. Uh, yeah. and, and it stays, like, the, the shot stays back by the phone booth. And we see him first looking over there and it's like, what? What is that? What is going on here? And just we watch the realization slowly dawn on his face. We watch him slowly make his way over there. We watch him overcome with grief, like it's a very intense sequence
1: yeah um that's why I felt so bad for calling him creepy daddy earlier
0: <laughs> he he's, he's just he's, he's such a sad sack, yeah,
1: he didn't deserve
0: this and it it breaks him he he snaps uh. And, like, after he covers her up with his coat, he gets back in his car, and he goes after those guys.
1: He, first, he gets the gun from the ice cream guy, because the ice cream guy had a gun under his
0: Had dash. a gun, in, yeah, in his dash.
1: And Creepy Daddy, uh, I crossed out his name in my notes and replaced it with Revenge
0: Daddy. <laughs> and Revenge Daddy, he is. He does actually track these guys down, and he fucking ices the ghoul. Uh-huh yeah that guy's dead and like he he manages to get away from them which is incredible like he shoots one of these four guys who all have like an arsenal of weapons he kills one of them and he gets away from them like kudos (laughs) yeah how
1: did he get away i i didn't catch that
0: i'm not actually sure i i don't recall but like we we don't see a lot of his journey after killing the guy. We just get to the police station and him coming through the doors and bringing this curse upon them.
1: Yeah, because uh, cause, uh, Lieutenant Bishop was uh, just putting up this cardboard sign saying, hey, the police station's moved. There's nothing here. We're basically closed. And of course, this man who just lost his daughter and then shot a lord didn't notice the sign.
0: Yeah, he he just comes Stop through the door because it's a police really. station. He's,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: and um, he needs police. <laughs> yep. Yeah,
1: oh, he needs the cops. But uh, by the time he gets there, he's so spooked he can't speak.
0: Yeah, he has kind of gone catatonic by the time he gets there. And he does spend the entirety of the rest of the movie just lying on the floor speechless. Like, he never says another word. He's just done. Like, <laughs> this has destroyed him.
1: And, uh, it destroys a few other people too.
0: And what I think is really interesting is that we never know, uh, none of the cops, none of the people at the police station, they never understand why he's here or what he's done or what happened, just that he's there. And, uh, they
1: never find out why they're under attack.
0: No, they're, they just know that they're under attack because of this guy, because it was him arriving there that heralded them like they all came after him although like much later on not much later on i guess but the 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 scared secretary does make the suggestion that they just give the guy up uh to to the gang and that maybe then they'll leave them alone uh which is a possibility but i don't know that that would have worked
1: Um, when you throw a, a, um, a bottle of blood and a, uh, some kind of a, what is it, like a flag written in blood at the front of a police station, you're probably not going to just go away if it's one guy. No, I feel like you're probably, uh, it feels like they've declared war.
0: Yeah. I kind of think it's just their vengeance has been refocused, like, it's not so much this guy as they trailed this guy here and here's this police station that's being shut down that they totally can lay siege to without anyone noticing. And we, we do find that that is absolutely the case that they decide, yeah, this is something we can do. This is a worthwhile way to get our vengeance. Uh, so well, we don't see them decide anything. Oh, no, they just of course do it. not. But that, that seems to be reasonable. I, I guess the idea, though, is that they don't we're not supposed to see any particular reason in them, just that they're this unstoppable. Well, not necessarily unstoppable, just this huge force. They're, they're more of a force of nature than thinking beings.
1: Yeah. So Surly desk sergeant is the first one to get shot. Uh, he, this is because he goes
0: outside.
1: Yeah. This is before the, before any, before the whole war declaration thing, the, blood oath or whatever it is
0: yeah that's, uh, he that's, just
1: uh, gets shot but yeah because he, he, the goes, silencer... he,
0: he goes down the steps uh and to see what's going on because they they notice something weird is happening they, they notice a bunch of people outside just sort of hiding behind trees and stuff he's like what the hell's going on out there and it's like i'll just go take a look it's probably some stupid kids or something right
1: yeah and then he gets shot, and the secretary laughs, like, ha, 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 he fell he down. Fell over. <laughs> it's like, go help him, you asshole.
0: Uh, but then Bishop finds out, no. Like, he doesn't get back up. And they're like, yeah. wait, he's not getting back up. That's that's weird. And Bishop steps out to look and sees that he's been shot. And he gets shot at and gets comes back in real quick. Uh, and what's interesting is they take the body. Like, they're spiriting away this body after uh after the blood o- or the 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 war declaration they right. steal the body too the body disappears
1: yeah that's um I, I like to imagine there's a division of the gang with like uh brushes and mops <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't they don't carry the weapons that they're that's not their part of the job they're not part of the uh the assault depart- detachment they're part of the uh the cleanup crew sure they, they've got to have a cleanup crew
0: I mean, like, there there seem to be an unlimited amount of them anyways.
1: But they have such a generic name, though. Street Thunder.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's not great. That, that's a pretty yeah. lame gang name. Also, it's not Precinct 13. It's like Precinct 7, District 13. But Precinct 13 sounds cooler. Because yeah. they mentioned that he, he has to take over. At, at, it's at the start. He says, take over at Precinct 7, District 13.
1: Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. It's like, guys, you had one job.
0: <laughs> so now obviously they're they're aware that all of these people have surrounded the place.
1: And it turns out there's a lot more than 4.
0: There are so, so many,
1: many people. Like there there must be hundreds.
0: Cuz yeah, they see them flooding into position, uh and they're clearly incredibly heavily armed. Uh, because there is a lengthy sequence of them just shooting at the station.
1: Yep, they shoot out all the windows, uh, and you shoot just see, through doors.
0: You see all of the paper in the office just flying everywhere. And just like desks and stuff. And, and it's really interesting to see it, especially because it's this huge gun battle. Well, not battle, it's just them shooting. But there's no there's not gun sounds you don't have a bunch of shot noises because their guns are all silenced so it's just eerie just stuff flying around everywhere and being destroyed
1: and just suddenly there's a hole in the wall beside you
0: yeah so everyone hits the floor it's cool
1: it is it's really cool uh
0: it's it's a very effective sequence and and really sells how much like this gang is going to be able to lay siege to this place without a bunch of reinforcements coming. Because, you know, people around are not going to be hearing a bunch of gunshots and reporting it in. Like, we do hear later that there have been a few people reporting gunshots, but no one can pinpoint where it is.
1: Yeah, because they even mentioned the nearest people who could even hear, who would even be able to hear gunshots are pretty far away from the station this is right a mostly abandoned part of town
0: so like they're hearing a few echoes here and there and people do know that something's going on somewhere but they don't know what uh and so like later on we do see a couple police officers just like riding around town it's like where the hell there's a war going on and we can't find it what the hell's going on here well
1: part of it is that uh, another Another argument that you could make in terms of uh, the Supernatural gang is after this initial assault, uh, we look outside and everything on the street is back to the way it was. All the cars are parked where it was. All the bodies are gone. They've cleaned up all the blood. It's eerie. If somebody was driving by, they wouldn't know that a gunfight happened.
0: Yeah. and, And that is very eerie when that happens because it's immaculate and it seems unreal. But it sort of works because like it, it it almost seems like a cheat. But in in this movie, in the, the style of this movie, it works. It makes sense. It just it, it just sends a chill down your spine. It's creepy.
1: Yeah. Um, was this before or after the people broke in through the cells?
0: Uh, well, this I, I kind
1: was... of when the siege actually started, I kind of stopped writing notes and just
0: washed. Yeah, there, there's just the too bullets. much to take in. Yeah, I mean, like, this movie moves so fast, and it's totally relentless. Um, so first we have the prison the, the prison transport show up.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, right. That This all happens, of course, before the siege begins, because um, one of the prisoners is really sick. Uh, the warden's like, ah, it's just
0: a cold, but no, I think we never find looks, out what he had. No, we, we never find out. He just looks ill. He's clearly genuinely very sick.
1: He he looks like the guy who lies about being bitten by a zombie.
0: Yeah, he he kind of does. Uh, so they so,
1: have to pull the bu- bus over to the nearest precinct, which happens to be this one. They don't know it's abandoned.
0: Yeah, and the guy's like, "Man, we don't have cells. We we don't we don't even have people here." It's like, look, we we just need your holding cells while we uh, deal with this real quick. And there there's like two. Two guards on the bus, maybe they're like yeah, two guards
1: and the head
0: guy. Yeah, and like I don't think any of these guys last all that long. No, not at all. Because I don't remember anything about them, and I think the two guards stay with the bus, probably, and that's why like they just get iced off screen, probably.
1: Oh yeah, and the sick guy apparently died too. I don't
0: remember how. So I remember when he died, it's when they, when he and Napoleon Wilson make a run for, uh, or no, no, that's, that's a different, that's a different part. Um, I think, I think he gets shot, I can't remember where exactly, Uh, but I, I think it's between the bus and the holding cells that he dies. Something like that.
1: Something like that. Anyway, he the sick guy doesn't last long at all.
0: No. Well, th- there there's two chief uh guys on the bus who are are sort of important. It's Napoleon Wilson and I cannot remember the name of the second guy. He he's around for quite a while and he makes uh an important run later. Like he 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 is trying to get to a car to uh phone in that they're like he he escapes from the station through a window and runs to go get to a phone. Yeah, because one to a of the car. first
1: things this gang does is cut all the power and the phone lines. Right before they start,
0: which is you know the smart it's, choice. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. Man, the tactics of this gang like this isn't just
0: no, like it's war. It's, this is it's like, war, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like planned. It's it's uh, programmatic. Like they have. A series of events planned, and they just go through with them mercilessly. Um,
1: oh, uh, here's where the annoying secretary. After all the smoke is cleared and the first hail of bullets is over, she's just dead. They just yeah. see that she's dead.
0: Yeah, she and she I, was she was killed in the crossfire in that the initial yeah, one.
1: Um, off screen, I think that was great. We didn't have the whole cradling her as she dies, um, which.
0: Yeah, and this is not a movie that has time for that kind of thing.
1: No, when somebody dies, they they die.
0: Yeah, and, and also, like, that sort of sentimentality is so antithetical to a John Carpenter film, too. Like, these are unsentimental films.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of it is not even, like, seeing the person die. It's more like finding the person has died.
0: Yeah, like, after is... this huge... Hail of bullets. Everyone's just like, well, okay, let's take a look at what's happened and who's dead. It's like, okay, she's dead. All right.
1: It, it, well, it kind of mirrored the little girl in that. No, even though they were right there, they didn't see her die because they were doing some. In here, they were doing something else. They were fighting a battle.
0: But well, they weren't even and, fighting a battle. They were just like hiding. They were, like getting shot. Yeah, on you're shelter.
1: right. Yeah, they were.
0: Just they're not shooting to... back not yet Uh, but yeah yeah it's 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 interesting how it's just sort of a reveal after the after the fact in that respect i i sort of getting back to napoleon wilson uh every time he meets someone he asks for a smoke uh, and no one is ever willing to give him one (laughs) for like a really long portion of the film Uh, he gets one at the end yeah and it's a big moment uh, the the cool secretary finally gives him one, uh, and you know it's cool. Like they they share, moment. yeah they they share a moment together that's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> kinda. Yeah. Uh.
1: So but I ship Napoleon and Bishop though. So
0: that's fair too. There, there's a lot of energy throughout. Like there, there's, th- some weird there's so much chemistry. tension
1: between these cops and this serial killer they just met. Well, we don't even know really what he did. We just know he killed at least some people.
0: Well, they they ask him about it a few times, and we're I I think it's intentional that we never get any kind of clue about what he did, and that because ultimately it's just not important to what's happening here. But we get the impression that there was a reason for the people that he killed and that he's not evil. Like, he he doesn't have the same malevolence that any of these bad guys have, that our our horde of bad guys have. He has a reason for the things that he did where they don't.
1: I kind of got a different impression from him. I kind of got more like the... uh sociopathic serial killer question or the serial killer vibe from him. Because hmm. when the uh the one guy asks him like why did you're so smart, you're so calm, you're composed, why did you kill him? I'm like, oh, because he's a sociopath. And
0: See, I, I I don't think so. I, I think it was more I, I think the idea is more that he has that there it's it's more complicated uh that and he's just not willing to get into it.
1: Well we don't find
0: out either way. No, we we never find out. It's it's totally not like. And, and again, that's that's another thing with Carpenter is he kind of wants you to have these questions in your mind. He wants you to think about the way people relate to each other in these. Uh. So after like the whole hail of gunfire and the one lady gets killed, is this when the second, the 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 second prisoner makes the run for a car? Somehow they they
1: get into the holding cells and Velma lets the prisoners out and gets shot in the process without flinching and then just beats up a gang member and takes their gun.
0: Yeah, she gets shot in the shoulder, I think.
1: Yeah, and then with her other arm, beats up the guy, takes his gun, and then shoots the gang member behind him.
0: Yeah, it's it's like a Schwarzenegger moment in in his yep. '90s movies. Yeah. Uh, but
1: I, What was her deal? I thought she was just supposed to be a secretary.
0: She's just badass as hell. You know, some people, when they're tested, they they rise up to the occasion. True enough. She's one of those people, I guess. Uh, And like she immediately also vibes with Napoleon Wilson. Like they they kind of wanting to
1: call him Napoleon Dynamite.
0: (laughs) Very different character.
1: (laughs) Very different but now I want to make a mo- version of this movie where Napoleon dynamites there.
0: Like, as a prisoner who, like, has in the past killed a number of people. <laughs> that would be an interesting movie. Because Napoleon they were going after my season. little
1: cousin. What was I supposed to do? I killed all the Wolverines.
0: Gosh. Gosh. So, what is it that happens here? Like this, um, this like she gets like everyone ends up in the main building. Like she has to get them out of the holding cells because they're sitting ducks because there's a door in the back that people are able to get into. Um, and they start fortifying the place.
1: Yeah, they start fortifying. Uh, this I think around here is where they make the plan for the guy to make a run for it.
0: Right, and he gets pretty far. Like he gets to a vehicle, but just as he's starting it up, someone gets him.
1: Yep, somebody was in the back seat of the car. Yeah, uh,
0: because he, he they just supernaturally knew. Yep. Yeah.
1: He got to drive pretty far, and then the dude well, shoots. He he shoots gets
0: someone. far enough that he sees a phone booth, and he yeah. stops because he's going to call the police. Like he's actually right. going to do it, but he can't because they kill him.
1: Yeah, because he was in the back seat of the car, and they they look at it as like maybe the windshield cracked on its own. Mm. and and at this point bishop just laughs he's like "At just how fucked they are yeah so this is i think then they come up with their crazy plan to uh hide in the basement and make their last stand there
0: right so they have a big sign that they can hide behind uh and there's are they oxygen tanks acetylene, I think it was. Right, that's right. It's an acetylene torch, uh, a a tank for an acetylene torch that they have at one end of the hallway. So they've got like, what, two bullets? Like, okay, I, I have this number of shots to blow the acetylene tank with all of them coming in here as a horde with us behind this sign as a shield and it should burn them up and we'll be able to survive it because we'll be behind the shield. It's pretty... Pretty desperate plan.
1: Well, when you're out of options, you take the one that might work, as opposed to all the other ones that won't work.
0: And I mean, it does work. It does work. They are able to do it. And I really like this whole sequence. This is where the Horde most feel like zombies.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they're just throwing themselves at this side.
0: Yeah. It's just like a press. Uh, And... You know, ultimately, they, they are able to blow the thing and get them out. And uh, and, and I guess that's pretty much it. Like, there, there's a lot of stuff in the sequence. Like, the whole Siege sequence is probably a full hour, right?
1: Something like, actually, about 45 minutes of Siege and the, and about 45 minutes to get everyone in place.
0: Yeah, it's like a solid half of the film is just one set piece. Uh, yeah. Similar Um, to Halloween, his his following film, like once Laurie gets to the babysitting house, it's just this one sequence for the whole rest of the movie.
1: So uh, around here is uh, when the cops finally find where this war is happening. And they I guess they get all this backup uh, helicopters and stuff. Clear out the gang.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty quick to clean it up once you've got backup. Like uh-huh. they're they're only an unstoppable force because of the isolation. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it.
1: Pretty much it. Um, he Napoleon Dynamite finally gets his smoke. Uh, Great scene. Great scene. Um, Bishop and Napoleon share loving a loving gaze at one another.
0: Yeah, they've they've really learned to respect one another.
1: And. And then they get married and cut to credits.
0: Yeah, basically, uh, and it's it's a masterpiece. It's incredible. It's such a good movie.
1: Uh, I thought it was going to have questionable politics, but no, it doesn't. It's fine.
0: I yeah, I think you'd like pretty much all of John Carpenter's movies, at least up into the mid nineties, because he is he's very cynical, and he is uh, his he's very, he's he's very suspicious. Of all corporate and civic interests Like they all live right. Oh man You you will love they live if you have not seen it
1: Oh Is that the one where, um, where Rowdy Roddy Piper beats the crap Out of Keith David for like 20 minutes
0: Yes Because he won't put on the sunglasses That make you able to see through the lies of advertising <laughs> Dude it rolls It's so good Oh, man, One of uh, that's been on
1: my list to watch for quite some time.
0: Well, it, it is coming up, because I will be going through all of the Carpenters in the next little while.
1: Oh, nice, nice.
0: Uh, so, any final thoughts on Assault on Precinct 13?
1: Definitely the best of the Assault on Precinct movies. Uh, the uh, Assault on Precinct 14, where they crossed over with Police Academy, didn't really work, and then... The really unfortunate one, Assault on Precinct Nine One One, which happened to be released on a very unfortunate date. This this one was the best one.
0: Uh, have you ever seen this the remake? There was like a 2009 remake with oh, really? like Ethan Hawke. Uh, I don't I don't remember who else in it. It's got a pretty stacked cast. I've never seen it. Uh, I hear it's okay.
1: Yeah. No, I've I didn't even know about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I hear it's all right, but not like, obviously not on the same level and sort of not the same movie. Like it kind of has the premise, but it takes it in a different direction is what I've heard.
1: I, I feel like you wouldn't really be able to make this movie in the two thousands.
0: Well, yeah. because Like
1: this, you'd look, have to, right. you'd have to change things.
0: Well, you couldn't have cell phones. That's that's a really big part of it. Cell phones. Oh yeah, I wasn't even thinking
1: about that aspect of it. But
0: cell yeah. phone technology makes a lot of old movies, a lot of old movie plots and plot points no longer possible. And this is definitely one of those.
1: Every movie, yeah, you're right. Every movie in the early, in like the in this century, has to have a way to disable the cell phones, or they've got to incorporate it into the movie.
0: Yeah, well, like a
1: lot of people choose the former,
0: like we had with the the 2009 Friday the 13th remake, where they had no cell service at Crystal Lake, like they had to solve it. So, yeah, no cell service at Crystal Lake, and it totally works because it's really yeah, I'll buy buy that. But you couldn't have that here because this is just like California, there's a police station,
1: (laughs) yeah. So, not not, Uh, you could just be like, ah, fucking Comcast,
0: yeah, who knows, but yeah. It's it's one that only would work as a period piece, or you'd have to do some really you'd different things. You'd have to change
1: with... so much. Because, yeah. like, the militariz- militarization of the police alone would just render the conflict... You'd have to change so much.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, just even the amount of weaponry that they would still have, even if this place is being closed down, or just, I don't know, they there there's a lot of stuff that would be tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It could be interesting.
0: It could be. I I probably will see the 2009 one at some point, and I presume it will address it, because I don't think that one's a period piece.
1: Oh, boy. Well, color me
0: curious. Yeah, it might be all right. I know it has a pretty cool cast. Uh, All right, so I guess we'll move on to our final section, unless you have anything else to say here.
1: No, I think I'm good.
0: Uh, All right, so just obviously it is a huge recommend. Great movie.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: Okay, so moving on to our moves. Uh, The the other stuff that I've watched from the stacks, and first, our eligible movies for the second part, or for the, yeah, for the second part of next week. Uh,
1: But first, what was uh, Phobe replaced in the stacks with? We didn't get that.
0: Uh, it is not replaced in the stacks because it was from the inactive stacks
1: oh that's right that's
0: right <laughs> uh, i i had thought about it and it's like oh yeah it's not replaced uh so uh first movie that i watched last week is escape from the insane asylum uh, which is a renee Harmon film <laughs> uh, this is the only renee Harmon film i had not seen yet uh renee Harmon, uh we we talked to her about her a bit uh she's, the landlady or the evil stepmother in Cinderella 2000.
1: Oh, the one with the hornies.
0: Yeah. So this is one of the movies that she wrote uh, herself. Uh, And it's a movie where she's a wealthy heiress and her doctor and husband are conspiring against her and gaslighting her uh, and trying to, keep her institutionalized and i think they're going to try to have her declared incompetent so the husband can claim the fortune share it with the doctor but maybe she's also crazy and is going crazy uh also it has a bunch of flashbacks to one of her other movies frozen scream and i'm not (laughs) sure if those are supposed to be real because they're crazy and supernatural and feature zombies uh sometimes she'll just be looking in a mirror and the torso of some lady will just appear over her shoulder and <laughs> start talking to her it's wild i would say it's the most coherent renee harman film which makes it probably the least renee harmony of any renee harman film but it was still a pretty good time okay well, you've uh, said
1: I've been needing to watch more of, or at least another one of her films.
0: Yeah, I don't know. One? I, I would say this is maybe not the best intro. I, I would definitely go for Frozen Scream as the first one. And then you can kind of pick up on this one as maybe a sequel to it. I don't even know. <laughs> okay, okay. But potentially, because like, it is a good time, and it's weird. I also watched Halloween, of course, that's replacing, or, the, you know, that's next one after Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, you know, the perfection of the slasher movie, if not the actual first one, kind of laid down most of the tropes. I'm trying to and,
1: remember if I've seen the first one or not.
0: So the first one is really simple. Like, it's just down to the bone. Uh, so it's got Donald Pleasance as Dr. Loomis, his doctor who's like, uh, he's just like, this this patient is horrible and terrible and he should never be let out. Uh, he's like supposed to be going with him for a transfer to uh, a different place and he's gone to bail hearings and stuff and his thing has always been, no, he can never be let out. He is a monster. There is only darkness behind his eyes and there is no humanity in him. Uh, he's the embodiment of pure evil and he should never be let out uh and then you know obviously he gets out <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously on Halloween night uh and just you know it's it's a slasher movie uh it it does all the basic slasher movie stuff, but I think it does it better than any other slasher movie before or since, and like there's not much in terms of before, but it's interesting that no one has ever done one as Perfectly self assured is this one. Like, I think Michael Myers is a really interesting slasher villain in this one because he will, like the enemies in Assault on Precinct 13, he has no motivation. He is just this evil force like there, there's a reason he's just called the shape in in the credits and in the script like he's not michael myers anymore he's just this shape of a being and he kills that's what he does all right uh and it's a masterpiece i i would say it's a notch above assault on precinct 13 and assault on precinct 13 is already pretty close to perfect
1: i don't know if i've seen it or not but i might end up picking that one this time
0: yeah, I, I mean, we, we may discuss a lot of Carpenter because he has a lot, like, he's consistent. He has a lot of great movies. Uh, I also watched The Cellar. Uh, so this is the one about an ancient native curse uh, on some land that they're trying to drill oil on. So it starts with this flashback in, I think, like the 70s. And there's this kid who finds a spear, like a native spear decorated with like rabbit's feet. And like, it, it's, it's clearly a mystical charm and it's in the ground. And it's basically, this is the thing that's keeping the curse at bay. And so this, this kid, he sees it. Uh, and he makes kind of a shameful racist display of himself. He picks it up. Oh, no. He whoops, he throws it and uh, and curse, you know, the, the curse comes down, uh it's very harsh. Uh we we see like pretty shortly after this, like this is all the prologue. After this, uh it, it unleashes this evil goo, just like this this evil, apparently uh thinking goo from the ground, uh, which liquefies his pet dog and its puppies, just turns them to skeletons. Uh, and then he goes to tell his dad about it, and his drunk idiot dad doesn't believe him at all and doesn't believe that anything happened. He says it's just a nightmare, and then he goes outside to where the the kind of non-functioning oil derrick is. And then like a hand comes up out of the thing and drags him under and explodes, and there's like huge fiery explosion, and his dad dies. So the movie picks up with this guy – Uh, as an adult, and he's just trying to warn people away from this, this area, but he's forced to sell the land because he's deep in debt. So this family moves in, uh, and we have like one of those 80s genius kids who's like, brilliant with every kind of mechanical thing, and he has to fight this curse. Uh, And meanwhile, he has a dad who's just this raging narcissist who has a chip on his shoulder about his fathering abilities. Cause I guess he's away a lot and he, he's just really uh, insecure about it, I guess. Is he a harge? He's kind of a harge. He, he does, he does some hardging. Uh, it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's, it's ugly. It's, it's quite nasty. And I, the the one I watched is the director's cut. My understanding is the theatrical cut, which is also included on the disc. And I'll have to check it out at some point is lightened quite a bit uh, and is a very different movie but i'll I'll have to check that one out as well to compare uh i also watched the spiders uh parts one and two uh this is a 1919 and 1920 silent adventure serial uh by by fritz long a very famous director you'd probably know for metropolis the the great that's another one i need to see Okay, well, that that's in this box set as well. I, I have pretty much all of the, his silent era films. So this is the the first two in the Fritz Lang silent era box, which includes all of his surviving silent films. So he had like a couple, I, I think like he had a romance melodrama before The Spiders, but The Spiders is the earliest surviving one. And it's about uh, this international crime syndicate called The Spiders who are racing for racing uh this world-renowned sportsman named i think k hoog who's our main character uh for uh, he's found a treasure map to incan lost incan gold uh and there's like a tribe of lost incans that they're gonna go commit genocide and uh steal all their gold and stuff and Meanwhile, the Incans continue to do the same human sacrifices that they did thousands of years ago, or hundreds of years ago, whatever. I don't know if they did. Uh, well, like there definitely was blood sacrifice in those cultures thousands of years ago.
1: One of the, I think only one of them did, and I don't know if it was the Incans, but I always get them all mixed up.
0: Yeah. The, it's, the
1: Incans, the Mayans, and the Aztecs, and... Yeah, people who know about this are going to get so mad at us.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's one of those three. Uh, Apocalypso, the Mel Gibson film. It also like it's it's that culture is okay. the one that did it, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, in this one, it is Incan's, uh, and it's you know it's 1919 l- view of history. So it's and oh, it's so German. It's a German film too. So it's not like it, it's not even an American movie that's sort of close enough to South America. know about it right
1: it's a a pretty racist
0: it's not super racist it's just it doesn't even think about any of that stuff it's just you know we have our incans like the movie's only like 70 minutes long the first one uh the the two two parts together come to about three hours uh one of the like one of them's an hour 40 one of them's like an hour 20 uh and They're they're fairly streamlined. They're, there's not a whole lot, and of course, you know, they're they're silent, so there's also not dialogue. It's just images. Uh-huh. Uh, so so our Incans just look like like you'd see in a history book kind of kind of deal. Okay. Uh, so in the second part, Hoog uh, is going after this magical diamond. He, again, he's competing with the spiders for a magical diamond, which will. Uh, apparently be able to magically unite Asia and drive out all foreign powers from Asian countries. Uh, And the spiders intend to use this to uh, take over all of Asia by installing a puppet dictator, which is a huge supervillainous plot.
1: That is a very specific power for a diamond to have. How does it know... um you know what, maybe I shouldn't think about it so hard.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It, it's this magical diamond that's in the shape of a Buddha's head. And it's supposed to be huge. Uh, and also, in between the two, so at the end of the first part, or at some point in the first part, the leader of the spiders uh, falls in love with, with Hoog, uh, and he spurns her. So the second part, they're both like trying to get revenge on each other as well. Uh, it was it was interesting, like, you know, the, these are 1919 and 1920, so they're a little rudimentary, but, you know, pretty action-packed. It's kind of interesting to see them have an actual supervillainous scheme, because the concept of the supervillain did not exist yet, and in fact would later be more or less created in pop culture by Fritz Lang with Dr. Mabusa uh, a few films later. Uh, so I also watched Mail Order Murder, which is a documentary about Wave Productions, uh, a shot-on-video horror company slash fetish company. Like I guess fetish horror. Like they they would advertise in the back of magazines like Fangoria and like you know vampire erotica and stuff like that. And they they would just like do Movies by request, or they do just like tons and tons of little movies shot on video that would just be, you know, here's a woman being strangled for like 15 minutes or here. Here's uh, and like the cheapest possible stuff you can imagine, like, don't look for anything anywhere near the level of phobe. Oh, with no. of productions. Uh, This is truly backyard filmmaking. Uh, one location stuff very very cheap and often comical and it's it's that stuff that makes it fun uh and the doc is great it's it's it breezes by really fast it they talk to all of the actors and the one director because it's just like his company uh and tons and tons of clips from all of these films and just like i i feel like it's the best way to experience a lot of them because these are movies that have extensive dead spots and the idea here like here you just get the buttons, you get the really great moments throughout. A lot of fun. So,
1: so we we can skip all of the total of thirty minute minutes of them wandering through the Ontario wilderness, for example.
0: Right. No, no uh, long walking sequences in this because, well, it's a dock, so you know. Yeah. You just yeah. get, you, you get the, you, you do have some talking head sequences, of course. Uh, but yeah, it, it was pretty fun. Uh, and it also has one of the, it has two. Wave production films put together as like one feature. So it's two short films put together that uh, I will have to check out that looks like it might be pretty fun. Uh, they have a couple of clips from them in the set that looked interesting. Uh, and last one uh, Silver Bullet, uh, starring a pretty amazing cast. Uh, we have Everett McGill again, uh, star of People Under the Stairs last week. Here he is in another villain role, sort of spoilers, but it's also super obvious that he's the villain from the moment he's introduced. Uh, he's a werewolf or sorry, a we priest. He's a priest werewolf. Okay. Uh, and he's going after Corey Haim, who is in a super wheelchair.
1: <laughs> a super a su- wheelchair. A oh, up you were telling me about this the other wheelchair. day.
0: Yeah. That was made for him by his drunk uncle, Gary Busey. <laughs> incredible cast. Uh also Terry O'Quinn is the cop like the the sheriff in the town. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh I oh love so I am looking
1: at the I'm looking at the banner image on the letterbox and his wheelchair has motorcycle mirrors.
0: Yeah, and it has a huge motorcycle engine. It can go 50 miles per hour. All right. Cuz uh Gary Busey souped it up for him so he would feel less bad after his friend got eaten by a werewolf.
1: my best friend is dead well what if i got you a rocket chair
0: your your friend was kind of a dick also (laughs) his friend kind of sucks uh it's great i really love silver bullet i've watched it loads of times it's one i originally saw as a kid and it kind of always stuck with me and i've always sort of loved it it's it's silly but it's great uh so which of those would you like to cover next week Well,
1: um, I'm leaning towards Halloween, but we just did a John Carpenter. But you know what? I want to see what this uh, motorcycle wheelchair thing is all about.
0: So Silver Bullet? We'll totally watch Halloween in October, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, We'll we'll have to watch it sometime. Uh, Yeah, okay. So Silver Bullet uh, for our second feature next week. Uh, And... The new films added to the list, we've only got four. Uh, So first, from the John Carpenter ones, uh, we've got The Fog, his Ghost Pirates movie. Uh, So there was Demons of Ludlow by Bill Rubain I talked about a handful of weeks back, which was the same plot. But this one's the John Carpenter version, so obviously much better. Uh, So the town's colonial past coming back to haunt it. it, like literally, they set signal fires and made... Like this ship, uh, I I think it's a ship of people with leprosy, maybe. I can't remember exactly because I haven't watched this in like maybe a decade. But the ship crashes on the rocks and they're killed. And so I I guess it's it's like a town centennial ceremony and the fog rolls in full of ghost pirates that just hack people up when, when the fog comes in. Really cool. Uh, One of the sillier carpenters, perhaps, just in terms of concept, Ghost Pirates. (laughs) All right. Uh, Also added is Smile, which is a satire of beauty pageants from the 70s. It's the Young American Miss pageant. Uh, It's got Bruce Dern as the cynical judge. A lot of famous people in the cast as uh, the various models. Uh, I have not seen this. I hear it's really good. Uh, From the uh, Fritz Lang silence box, we're on to Harakiri, which is his adaptation of Madam Butterfly. I don't know anything else about it. All right. (laughs) And last one added is The Lamp, also known as The Outing, which is about uh, some robbers break into a... Uh, Romani lady's house uh, and they inadvertently unleash a gin from an oil lamp uh, and it you know causes havoc of course you know like of a genie course. gin kind of thing oh yeah 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 uh, so that's that's all the additions not much there uh, most of these came from just a couple different stacks all right so what do you think for our main picture for next week
1: hmm, I'm looking at this list and some of these have been on there for quite
0: a while Everything that's at the top, uh, I would say the first five rows, we haven't seen any movement in, because, you know, anytime I remove something, it adds to the bottom.
1: Right, right.
0: Um,
1: what is Gangster VIP?
0: So oh, this is, uh, it's it's a series of films. This would be the first film in the series. It's about this up-and-coming Yakuza in uh, a crime syndicate. So this would be sort of the opposite the other side of the coin from uh what we've talked about with Zatoichi. This is one more about the yakuza lifestyle rather than the uh, wandering ronin.
1: All right. Let's go
0: with that. All right, cool. We'll we'll start with Gangster VIP the first in the Outlaw Gangsters series. Uh that one's a box uh with I think there's 5 films in the series. Nice. All right, cool. So next week Outlaw Gangster VIP, and uh, Silver Bullet.
1: Excellent. Looking forward to it.
0: Me too. All right. Uh, So as always, thanks so much for listening, and uh, keep watching the stacks.